0: Well, I love the music. You'd never know we mm-hmm. practiced that as well, yeah. would you? Yeah, that,
1: was, that the, was that the Super Bowl halftime show yes. in
0: 1982? Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a, a bit of electro pop there, all right. Yeah. Uh, so, look, you guys are very privileged because we're giving you some big announcements tonight. We're telling you about the new Gridiron Hope that we're launching on Off the Ball, and we're also going to give you some information about when tickets actually go on sale for the Erlingus College Football Classic. I know if you're an NFL fan, the likelihood is that you want to go and see that college football game as well. So I'll tell you about that all a little bit later on. Before I introduce you to our guests, who you all know, because you're proper um, American football fans, and also Mossy Quinn, if you don't know, is <laughs> obviously here as well. Thanks, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure. could, could have made it as a kicker, just like Ron Nogara nearly did uh, with the Dolphins that time. Um, th- there's a lot of planning goes into a show like this. You know, there's a huge amount of uh, work, particularly from the producer, who puts together a running order that we've got to stick to very clearly so in the first half of the show we're just supposed to talk about the Niners and in the second half of the show we're supposed to give an equal time to the Kansas City Chiefs but screw that I'm a Niners fan so we're just doing an hour-long special <laughs> on the Niners tonight right <laughs> any Niners fans here yeah! any Chiefs fans <laughs> Ah, there come is. on. <laughs> right, so we, can, uh, we will do a little bit on Chiefs. We might even talk about their superstar quarterback. Ronan, how are you? Oh, good, Jack. Mike Carlson, welcome to Ireland.
1: It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Have you, are you a regular uh, attender of
1: um, Irish NFL gigs? Back, back in the day, um, I did one for Sky, with the Bears against somebody. Yeah. Um, I had Cook Steelers. Cook Steelers, thank you. Um, <laughs> but befo- even before that, I used to work for ABC Sports, and, and I did quite a few events McGuigan fight at RDS. Ah yeah, okay. road, road mile that that uh, Tracy won, um, the Irish Derby a couple of times. Ah, right, so
0: nice. a few other things. The yeah. Irish Derby no. is decadent in the parade. that kind of at the Curra. yeah, very good. Uh, right, Mossy, uh, what's your story? what Why are you here tonight? I think he just couldn't get anyone else. <laughs> you were you were nearly the perfect guest if only the Kansas City Chiefs hadn't blown out the Titans in the second half.
2: Yeah, I'm a big Tennessee Titans fan, so I was actually hoping to be here tonight, um, obviously in preparation for the Super Bowl, you know, but it wasn't to be.
0: And how did that happen? How did you end up picking the Tennessee Titans? Titans.
2: Uh, years, uh, back in 2003, we did quite a short summer with Dublin. That was my first year. We were actually beaten in early July. And at that time, you could go and play football in America. i just finished college, so I went to New York for the rest of, kind of, the, rest of the summer, which you have 90 days. So I ended up staying until nearly the end of October. I was watching a lot of American football. I had watched the previous couple of Super Bowls, and I was starting to get more interested. In it. And they had a quarterback, Steve McNair, running back Eddie George, and... Every time we turned on the telly, they were making plays and McNair in particular just fell in love watching him play the game And at a basic level they wore blue and navy like Dublin and a lot of my friends are Patriots fans and I was like I can't jump on that <laughs> bandwagon so, <laughs> so to be honest, that was it. It was it was it was Steve McNair and Eddie George for probably the reason I, I started following the That's Titans That's
3: legit and Cian Albert Haines, was on that team too, wasn't he? He's not that old, no.
2: He, he was a bit after that I think, was he not?
3: I'm here because you're paying me, aren't you? <laughs> Yay.
0: Um, you were a Steelers fan originally.
3: I, funnily enough, picked the Steelers lo- that Steelers logo right there. I picked it years and years ago without knowing anything about football at all. Uh, they won the Super Bowl that year, and I figured I got everything I needed from them. So then I stopped supporting <laughs> any teams and started covering the league, I guess. <laughs> Very
0: good. Okay, well, that's... Uh, you Burma. were
1: lying on the floor looking up at the Steelers. Yeah, that's,
0: that <laughs> exact logo right there. So when you say it like that, Mike, it sounds kind of romantic. Yeah. Uh, I, presume, I presume Jeez, you're all very boring Patriots fans. Is that right? Yes. Any Patriots fans in the house? Yes.
1: <laughs> the kid in the Brady jersey. I still
0: see the Brady jersey, yeah. I, that's actually not a bad I, I assume that they would somehow infest the evening and try and make the conversation all about, oh, you know, we're going to have all our draft picks finally. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. We could, we could also do an Aaron-Aaron Hernandez. Wouldn't that be a good thing Jeez. to talk about for an hour? <laughs> <laughs> You can all watch the Netflix stuff. Mike, let's start by talking about the San Francisco 49ers. Um, they haven't got a lot of credits, really. It's been... When, when the review of the games has happened from the divisional round on, their reviews have been short because the games have not been exciting. And so as a result, you don't really tease out the fact that this run game is doing historic things, this defence is playing as well as as, well as any defence has it, played. It's,
1: it's funny because there's a theme to kind of both of these teams, which, which is coming good in the second half of the season when they got players healthy and when they got players back from injury. In the 49ers case, um, it's, it's, we were talking, I think we were talking on Monday about the defense. But on the offense, their offensive line was a mess. Um, and the Chiefs' offensive line was a mess. And they got McGlinchey and Staley back healthy. And I remember I picked them to win a game that they lost because I figured, okay, now the tackles are back, they're gonna roll, but it took them a couple of weeks to get back into into form. And, and that just made, that made a huge difference to what they do, and I think picking up Emmanuel Sanders made a, a difference. They, it hasn't been a big thing in the last couple of weeks, but, but it, it was there. And, and there's two sort of defining games of this season, and the one in the NFC to me, was almost certainly the 49ers' win in New Orleans. Because that, in effect, New Orleans, yes, they lost to Atlanta the game they shouldn't have lost, and that that cost them a seed. But that 49ers' win coming off the game in Baltimore, so it was even harder for the, the 49ers, that win against a good team set them for the playoffs, helped keep the Saints out of the playoffs, which I think if in all honesty, they would rather be playing Green Bay than than playing the the chi, uh, Saints, even if they hadn't killed Green Bay, you know, in in week ten or whatever yeah. it was that they that they did. So, you know, I, I think they deserve every bit uh, of where they are, and I think it's been a great coaching performance um, from Kyle Shanahan, and and probably too a, a really good general manager general managerial performance too, because I think. He's got quite a bit of say in what goes on in terms of who they p- who they pick up and how they use them. I was listening
0: to um, John Lynch today talking. He's the general manager of the 49ers, talking about how he got the gig. And um, he was talking to Kyle Shanahan after the divisional round game where the Falcons. I can't even remember who they beat to get into the, the Super Bowl, but he met him afterwards and they were chatting. And uh, Shanahan was like, "Yeah, it's gone really." He's basically pumping him for information about what's going to happen next so he could drop it into the broadcast. And he's like, yeah, "It's gone great," and I, you know, I'm definitely going to get a head coaching gig. But I don't have anybody to be a general manager. And Lynch went away for three or four days and was like, I couldn't sleep. And then I was realized, I, I want that job. It just he just and so he rang him up and said, I'd like that <coughs> job. And Shanahan goes, but you've got a great job already. And I convinced him to give him a shot. And here we are three years later and they've turned it around.
2: It's um, funny, just sorry Jared to interrupt. Just on that, I was at a conference a couple of years ago and um Porig Murat, who's the president of operations for the San Francisco 49ers, both from a business side of things and from the football side of things, he was talking about how they set their structures up. And a lot of teams, there's a bit of a disconnect between the ownership and the GM or the front office. And he was saying it was the first time the 49ers had gone to try and pair a head coach with the GM. But Rather than y- you see some organizations, the Jets last year and a couple of others who, who generally make a mess of it, they actually tried to make sure they were compatible and put them into different situations to see how they react. It's all well and good saying, I want that job. But they actually went through that, th- the process to put that together. And it was one of the things, I remember listening to it a couple of years ago, think, and it was the year they'd just taken over. It was 20, he'd, he'd one year done at that stage. And he was saying, he came across very confident how they were a good match, they had a good structure in place and that they were gonna be very competitive over the next couple of years. So I know they had a down year last year, but you could kind of see it building
0: yeah, when well Jimmy G was injured last year. Um, yeah. Kian, this stuff is all so important in terms of um, teams getting this right because you can't fluke into a 13-win season unless you're the Green Bay Packers uh, <laughs> who at least have got this, this
3: stuff right. I'm like, pretty sure teams fluke into 13-win seasons all the time because of the way the regular season is set up but I think what Mike said uh, was really important that Saints game was kind of the blueprint the 49 ers to go through the playoffs and reach this point because if you go back to that Saints game Garoppolo, like you mentioned the biggest contribution he had to that game was not turning the ball over not making any mistakes. They won that game with great play designs. I Sanders had a huge game. They didn't win that game by Garoppolo coming out and playing like Patrick Mahomes. And we saw that last week on Sunday where he threw eight passes where he most sort of carried the offense. And that's their blueprint. That's the way their blueprint has been. And Kyle Shanahan being as much of a smart coach as he is, allows that to happen because most teams can't do that. And that's where I would disagree with Mike what he's saying about how the two teams kind of mirror each other. They do in one sense, and, but they are completely different in terms of style because the Chiefs are going to rely on Patrick Mahomes so much. And we've seen it the last two weeks where they've basically forfeited the first quarter and then worked their way back in. Garoppolo can't do that. So if you have that, which kind of ties into the John Lynch's work, you have to build a roster that was that good. And for me, the best moves he's made have been D. Ford, and uh, Nick Bosa this year, because they had a huge amount of talent on the defensive line, but they were all big guys. They had no one who could explode off the edge. So what happened there is you brought in a defensive end on one side who's great, a defensive end on the other side who's great, and you've also improved the interior. So now you've got that front four, can create a pass rush easily, and everything on the defense has gotten better since then. So John Lynch, someone who I was massively skeptical of, because he was plucked from TV, which feels lazy, but John Lynch has done an amazing job, and he deserves a huge amount of credit for where they are.
4: for For all the positives you can say about good preparation, there's an element of luck in it as well because for all the world it looked like the Colts were about to go for some dynastic success with Andrew Luck. A lot of cap space, great offensive line and then all of a sudden he's out of the game and they're back to square one. And you see it in all sports like no one saw the Golden State Warriors coming for example in the NBA. You need a fusion of factors, the Patriots hadn't won anything before Belichick and Brady came together. So as much as the 49ers seem to have a good template here, you know, first of all, they have to win next week, and then they have to keep going.
0: Yeah, I, look, I, I don't know if they're going to win next week, and we'll, we'll come to everybody's predictions a little bit later on. But uh, is the point you're making that? Um, I
3: think Roman's point there is that you said before the show the 49ers are going to stay around <laughs> for a few years and win a
0: few Super Bowls. Hey, so I actually do believe that, and there's there's reason to believe that because they're already paying the big money to Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, so the you've said um, it like it's a positive, but it is. <laughs> it is because they've they've got their quarterback tied down at a rate that now everybody else has to beat. If you get in early and pay the big money early, everybody beats that. Ryan Tannehill is going to be earning way more than Jimmy Garoppolo will be next year. I, well, Let's wait and see the contract that he gets, but he will be, more than likely.
1: Define earning.
0: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> T- taking home in, uh, in his bank account, it'll, it'll be resting in his account. Um, are, are they built for uh, a couple of years, at least, of being good? Well, they are because Kyle Shanahan
3: is so good. Like he, like, there's a lot of talk of nepotism when it comes to the NFL, and he is a coach's son, but he is a guy who is... Incredible, incredible mind, incredible coach. And he's earned his way there. He had to go through three offensive coordinator jobs. And he's now built this offense that no one can stop. But one of the, like, last week was a dominant display. You're not going to see that very often. And Andrew Hawkins on his podcast this week pointed this out, who is a Cleveland Browns receiver, or he was a Cleveland, Cleveland Browns receiver. And he was on a staff that had Kyle Shanahan on it and Mike Pettine. Patine is the defensive coordinator they faced last week for the Packers. And Mike Patine, every single week, would prepare for Kyle Shanahan's offensive practice, which is not what you do. You're supposed to prepare for the upcoming opponent. So what would happen each week is Kyle Shannon's offense is getting destroyed, and it, but Kyle Shanahan is seeing exactly what that defense is going to do. And he remembered every single part of that, and that's why they couldn't stop them at all last week. So Kyle Shannon is kind of like Sean McVay in that way where he recalls everything, learns from everything, and adjusts everything. So as long as that's still happening, they're going to be a great team.
1: It's funny because the Patriots beat McVay and, and they beat Kyle Shanahan in successive years. And There, there, you know, there are ways to, to stop that, that offense. Um, they generally do it with a controlled pass rush and, and a lot of coverage. But the games that have given Garoppolo the most trouble this year have been when there's been a heavy pass rush. And it's the one way around what is, it's supposed to be a quick developing kind of offense, but sometimes it's a little bit slower because they're waiting for guys to come across. It's its layered like that. Um, and that what what Kian was saying that, you know, the real difference between what the 49ers do offensively and what the Chiefs do offensively is you know what the Chiefs are going to do. Um, and you, you know, you, guys you're being run challenged fast. to stop it. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you look at the a shock everyone went into in the second half when they were running the ball, you know, and, and Damian Williams was running the ball. And so he said, when was the last time you, that Andy Reid gave any running back four carries in a row
2: any time in any game in his career? It feels like we're being a little bit harsh on Jimmy Garoppolo, though. Like, he's not... That's my brand. Uh, <laughs> he's, not, he's not, like, Trent Dilfer or someone who kind of just came in and... Hang on. Uh, <laughs> but, like... He, he, ha- he is a bit better than that, I think. I don't oh think yeah. he, he... Like, he's not... not like, you don't want to be well. putting the ball in his hands 40-something times in a game and <coughs> relying on him to make plays. But I think, I think he has more about him than, OK, he threw the ball eight times last week, but that was just the situation, and the same with the week before. I think if, they, if he is forced to pass, he's enough good weapons there between Kitt- Kittle, Sam- Sanders. You know, he, he,
3: he, he... Yeah, that's something I actually said to Jar a few weeks back, that I thought he was playing a lot better over the second half of the season. I, I do agree with you. I think the only concern <laughs> I would have is that Vikings game was rough.
2: Mm.
4: We dismissed the notion of momentum on last week's show. Doesn't Uh, exist. Uh, What about intangibles? I hope so. What about intangibles? How do you feel about intangibles? Intangibles are... (laughs) Intangibles (laughs) are... Immeasurables, because that 8-10 passes has been thrown around a lot this week for Jimmy G, but it feels like when he needs to deliver a pass like he did late in that game, I think the Packers got it down to... back to two scores. yeah. And they they went all out to block the pass, and he found Kittle for 20 yards. I think in the situation where he needs to do it, he can do it. The only thing is the Chiefs are going to make him probably do it more than Shannon wants him to do.
0: So, Jimmy Garoppolo has obviously been around. He has already got two rings from standing on the sideline and uh, holding Tom Brady's helmet. Hey.
2: (laughs) Football helmet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's it's nice work if you can get
0: it. Hey, I I know what I'm doing. And yet, he's got far fewer starts than anybody else who has come out in that recent quarterback class. I mean, so he did d-
1: start off, what, 8 0 mm. when he went to San Francisco with not a very good team. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that, that team was not, was not uh, a, a great team. And I, I think one of the reasons we tend to downgrade him is that he's a system quarterback. And not in the negative sense of the word, but but this is a system designed to work off play action, and so most of his throws are off play action. He's not going to sit back there and look for for three guys, you know, r- running verticals and, and toss the ball deep. They don't do that very often, um, and you know he'll he'll take he'll take plays where his first read is very carefully designed by Shanahan to, to work. And he's very good, though, at getting off that first read, which is the difference between him and, and what you might call a system quarterback or some of the young quarterbacks around the league who just can't get off that first read.
3: It, it's also important to note he's only thrown 950 passes in his career. Like Matthew threw 720 mm. in one of his seasons. He's, <laughs> he could get better over the years even though he's older and been in the
0: league what? that was literally my next question can he get better how does he get better like what, what, what? You, you
1: assume if he, if he stays with Kyle Shannon there's no let reason let Jimmy be Jimmy <laughs> oh, what does that mean like, what, what would that be <laughs> let him, let him put, put him in a drop back offense and see what he does put him in a Patriots style offense um, you know he looked good in preseason, when <laughs> he played for the Patriots. He looked good in the starts that he made. You know, the couple of starts when Brady was suspended.
3: The positives for him is his, his errors, his problems are generally self-inflicted. It's misreading coverages constantly. That's something you can grow out of. It's not like he's got clear limitations. It's not like it's playing Gabbard out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's he can actually play the position of it.
0: All of his interceptions have actually been almost exactly identicals. where... Um, a linebacker drifts that he doesn't James see. as Winston-style. And he throws it straight to that that guy. There's, there's somebody over his head. It's almost like he's a shorter
1: QB who's like, not able to see over the line of scrimmage. But you can fix that, right? It was one... It was Yeah, well, you can and you can't. I mean, the, the ability... The most underrated ability of a quarterback is the ability to, to see what's happening, to, to see coverage. Um... And the really great ones see it before you even snap the ball. They understand what the defense is going to do. Um, I, think, I think it was Romo making the point what Mike Pettin was doing for Green Bay's defense. Or sorry, no, it was what Dean Pease was doing um, um, defensively. Was doing a great job of disguising the coverages from from Tennessee, but it wasn't doing them any good in yeah. in the end because Mahomes was was figuring it out before before he could do that. But you, when you watched him, that's what he was doing. They were they were dropping guys, they were pull, pulling guys up, they were going back to to a three deep when when it looked like they should be in a one. Just at the last minute. Yeah, and and it was it was a really good defensive game plan. It took it took Mahomes literally one series, and Romo was all over that. You know, and he sees he's got the outside, he's got the outside. To throw it! he's got the outside to run.
0: And then he took full advantage of and it. And that's where the touchdown, his scamper came yeah. along. It, was his touchdown that amazing when you consider that why didn't, oh, yeah. he, but why didn't they tackle him? Mm.
1: Well, it, it made
3: sense to me because they needed turnovers to stop that offense. Like, the, uh, the cornerback, Tremaine Brock, is the one guy who clearly went for the fumble. There's a safety who came across the middle of the field, like, no idea what he was doing. He completely missed Mahomes and he shouldn't have. But going for the, fu- for the turnover there makes sense because, like, you're not going to stop that offense consistently. So if you can get the turnover, it's a huge win for you. So it's either yeah. a touchdown fir- now the or in three plays. The first tackler, in place.
1: fairness, yeah. is chasing him. He's not in a good position to tackle.
3: But the real problem and with that play was that it made no it made sense. The game plan, they had three-man rush with spy. You do that against Lamar Jackson. You don't do that against
0: Patrick Mahomes. Um, the 49ers' defence, is it a, a good system? Cause it, here, so Robert Sala is the defensive coordinator who... <laughs> finished second I think for the the Browns job a little bit earlier on at the start of the year he was getting sacked that was like that was the the local media in San Francisco like this guy's no good he's a bum let's sack him and everybody's like maybe we should just let him see what it's like when you put Nick Bosa and D Ford in there and now he's a head coaching candidate so things turn around very quickly but is he good? Is that a good defense? I think,
1: I think they've done, they've done really well. Remember, that, um, they lost Quan Alexander at the beginning of the season, so Fred Warner had to move into the middle, and he's been very good in the middle. I mean, he's, he's tremendous um, in, in there. And Dre Greenlaw, the rookie, has played really well in coverage especially, and that's going to be really important um, against the Chiefs because they put a lot of pressure on the second level of coverage, especially Kelsey, but but they, they try to do that anyway. And you're so worried about the top, of them taking the top off, that that's where, that's where, you, that's where you run into. You can't zone Kelsey because he'll, he'll find an open spot no matter what you do, so, so you have gotta l- be able to man-cover him. In a way, your linebackers become auxiliary safeties. Yeah, and um, teams that have done well, uh, it's funny, because it, the same applied to San Francisco, but um, teams with guys like Matthew, Buda Baker in Arizona have done well against the 49ers over the years. Um, not over, uh, yes, Matthew, over the years, but but this season because you have this guy who can come, who's a safety and a linebacker at the same time. So if you play him up in, into the box, he can cover um, or help cover because they're also short. in Kelsey, Buda Baker did five. well against
3: them and gave up two touchdowns. It's yeah. George Kittle. He's he's yeah. going to
1: get we what he deserves. You're going to try to keep him under control, and you have got to have help behind and you. And you'll probably fail. Yeah.
0: Kettle hasn't really been um, a a function of the offense in any way other than blocking for the last two games. Is that the type of thing that, like, you roll out these kind of secret, like, remember the Irish rugby team? are going to have loads of secret plays for the All Blacks. (laughs) Remember how well that works? first 15 minutes were great.
2: I, th- I think you can flip things like whatever the narrative is going into a game, like there's, there's pros and cons to only throwing eight passes last week, but a pro is you didn't have to show too much of your, your game plan and you've got a lot of stuff there that And as creative as Kyle Shanahan is, it allows them then to, you know, th- in terms of what's on film, and what they, like you were saying, the limited number of passes of Garoppolo throughout his career, but even in the last couple of weeks. So I would say that's a positive. They've got to be looking at that saying early on in the game, I wouldn't be surprised to see them, I know, to see them let Garoppolo get a couple of completions, get to Kittle early on, and try and get into a rhythm. Keane
4: mentioned Shannon senior and that Denver team in the late 90s. They kind of took what they what the opposition gave them as well. They were a run first team, but Elway was there when they needed to deliver passes. And similarly, with Garoppolo, I think Shannon has, like you mentioned, uh, Kittle, Yushek as well, is like a blocker in theory but can get out in the open field and catch and if he needs to do that and both of them need to do that next week they're well capable of it
1: we talked about this Monday and, and my, my first thought on on the game is that they're a play action team they've run the ball and if if they're going if they're going to see that Kansas City tries to st- sell out to stop the run you can start passing right off the bat with that play action in the same play yeah because it's basically the, the same look and, and um, Kansas City's you know, pretty pretty well designed to stop. You saw what they did against him. When if if they've got Pennell and and um, and Jones and Natty all all in there, they're they're pretty good at stopping the run. And Jones is quick enough to be able to chase if he's got to. But it's all zone block. It's all zone blocking from the 49ers. Um, you can't over you can't over chase. You know, you have you have to keep your your lane commitment. When, Can we just when explain that? Because I think a lot
0: of people probably don't understand that we're only beginning to see exactly well, how that works. So the, the, when the Niners are standing there. And you're saying it's zone blocking. What does that mean?
1: It means that instead of taking the guy over you and blocking him in one direction or the other, you basically are going one way or the other with, with the, whole team. the way the zone the zone's set up to run. And generally, your back is not running to a specific hole. He's running to the daylight that opens up when you've cleared out one one zone or another. I've
3: always thought of it as building a wall and having the wall move laterally, and then the running back determines where he goes based on how the defense So there's
1: quite a bit of...
3: Intuition
0: and skill involved in the running back picking the right hole.
1: Yeah, and and so what happens against teams? Then you think of the Denver Broncos in the Elway years. Um, they they were completely a zone blocking team with with a lot of uh, chop blocks. In other words, guys coming down. If you're the defense, if you're a defensive lineman, and they're taking you this this way, and you turn to pursue, some guy's going to come behind you and take your leg out from from behind, which is legal, but but not very nice. Yeah, um, and. Um, What what happens is if you you start over pursuing and then you then you get a lot of counters and you get a lot of play Action bootlegs off of that because your linemen are all moving to one side So you have to keep a keep a certain amount of discipline against that
0: So you would expect the Niners run game to have some success in this
1: I would have thought so and 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 they'll certainly use it because um, another another thing to remember is that play action doesn't depend on having a dynamite run game. It just depends on you faking the run. Teams that don't have great run games can still do have pretty good play action uh, passes because the defense has to at least look and see if that's what you're trying to do. You, you know, you can't just say no, no, they're not going to run the ball. They might well be running the ball.
0: How much responsibility is there on Raheem Mostert in this game? Um, this became a very nerdy podcast by the way. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's great, yeah. all right. How about We're talking about
3: gap schemes and zones, like, <laughs> Uh, Moster. Yeah.
0: How much responsibility on him? Because um, at the start of the season, it was supposed to be Jarrett McKinnon, uh, Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida. They were all ahead of him, and they were like, "Well, this guy's going to be on special teams. We'll keep him around." But like, what a sensational two games.
3: Last three, I, I don't think you need, really need me to explain it. He's, he's been phenomenal. Like Last week was... Like, the thing about Kyle Shannon is it feels like... This is, probably isn't true. It feels like he could take any sprinter and turn him into a great running back. Because they have just random guys coming in all the time. And he does value speed, which is kind of going against the analytics idea, the idea that you overrate the 40 time and you should be looking at other, other, other elements. But he loves straight line speed because he believes himself to be able to create these holes for his running backs to go through. Like, realistically, the Chiefs last week... Now, there was a guy they had a bunch of kind of guys you wouldn't really know a huge amount about, but they won matchups against guys like Taylor Lewan and Roger Saffold and they were able to shut Derek Henry down. Technically, they could do that this week in the Nair's offensive line. The individual offensive linemen aren't great, but the big challenge is, uh, as Mike was talking about a minute ago, Shanahan will build, build in passes to throw the ball off certain looks. So if you line up to stop the run, they'll just throw the ball out. So if you line or if you change your uh, your lineup then to be more uh, more able to stop the pass, they'll run the ball. So that's the beauty of his offense. Whereas last week it was, we're going to run Derrick Henry and he's going to break tackles and that's how we're going to move the ball.
1: Yeah, Derrick Henry is Eddie George, mm. except he's yeah. a better runner. And they got the best out of him this year by telling him, "Look, you have to be Eddie George. Stop trying to try, stop trying to run to the outside. Run up the middle, and then you'll get a chance to use your speed." Because we got this big line blocking for you inside, and it worked really well. But you think of Shanahan's father at Denver, when I mentioned before. But they used to produce a thousand-yard rusher every year. You know, Terrell Davis would get hurt; they'd find some other guy. And and it, it's a one-cut offense basically. The, the back has to come and see and take his first cut. And Monster takes it really well. When I when was it? In the 90s? Turn of the century? Sometime around then, I was doing Big Ten games for Eurosport, and we would get them from the Big Ten network, so we would have, like, the second or third choice game, which meant I did a lot of Purdue, and Raheem Mostert was at Purdue. Now, Purdue was always overmanned. Their offensive line was playing against defensive lines that were much, much better than them, and Mostert didn't have a whole lot of space to, to go, but he still, you could see the the burst in him and you could also see why once he was drafted teams looked at him as a gadget player as a kick returner not as an every down running back and i yeah. think to me that what what kian was saying i mean that's shanahan was one of the few people who would look at him and say i can i can use this guy as an every down running back this and is a seven
2: team right like he's gone through six teams he's yeah. been cut by six different teams so it's not as if he's yeah. been coming into the league and hit the ground you know like yeah. he's, no, he's, he's taken him yeah. yeah and
1: he was a running back at purdue he just never had any holes to yeah. run through
2: yeah it's not like he's a small guy
0: he's like he's you know big but a uh, phenomenal achievement for him over the last couple of weeks but again you would wonder can they do this with any running back just a quick mention of Mike Shannon, just to put some context on that for us Mike um, he's basically acted as this auxiliary coach apparently he's getting up at like five in the morning and studying tape for Kyle Shanahan and um,
1: yeah well his relationship with Kyle Shanahan goes back to him and Mrs. Shanahan
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> she, uh, she also carried his helmet <laughs>
0: Um, but he's working. He's like I don't it, want to get too technical. <laughs> Fair enough.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the X's and O's we don't need for that one. Uh, but it's a it's a fairly random thing to have somebody in your building or like available as that resource. And he's still he's like sixty seven. So
1: I mean, people were talking about him for a head coaching jobs yeah. still. Yeah, and
0: know. then that just disappeared. That talk all disappeared. So yeah.
1: maybe the and, and someone mentioned Robert Sala before. I mean. There's been a lot of talk about, you know, the Rooney rule, not where it produces more Irish coaches than it does black coaches, basically, but um, I think Salah was the one who really was worth someone taking the, the shot on him and part of the reason is that teams want to always get this thing decided early yeah they don't want to wait till after the super bowl and it's not really going to kill them if they wait another two weeks if you get the right guy
0: Ew, it's so stupid the 49ers waited for shannon and they've got somebody yeah. who's going to be there for a decade so a reminder american football on off the ball is brought to you in association with the erlingas college football classic navy against notre dame at the aviva stadium on the 29th of august i recommend heartily that you go to collegefootballireland.com in the next 24 hours for the people in the room when this actually goes live. The uh, news will be breaking that uh, the very latest update we're going to announce, especially for all of you in attendance tonight, tickets for Navy against Notre Dame will finally be on public sale on the 20th of March. Tickets to the 2016 game sold out in four hours, almost as quick as the tickets to this sold out. <coughs> so make sure to head to collegefootballireland.com for the chance to get early bird access to game tickets.
1: Now, Navy's a lot of fun to watch, too. They're great. Just, I'll put in an unsolicited plug. Go for it, yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like old school Old school football. They run. They run basically a double wing kind of offense with the same kind of motion you would have seen in the 1940s single wing, um, you know, offenses. It's all running. Um, they've got a little, a small line because you can't. The Naval Academy—you can't have three hundred-pound guys. They, they won't graduate. Yeah, they you sit them in the walk. submarine. The submarine yeah. sinks. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, so th- I just find they had, they've been really successful, um, and, and they're just a lot of fun to watch.
0: Yeah. So we saw them play the last year against Air Force, and the, the both QBs were unbelievably mobile, and you think that both of them could actually fulfill a function in the NFL. You know, if the Taysom Hill can make it, then those guys definitely can. Ronan. Yep. This, is, this is the time. You've been working on the worst puns that we could possibly provide <laughs> for the entire crowd here tonight. Where are we starting? This is the... Every week we do a... Here we go.
4: The Academy Awards have the Oscars. Dunder Mifflin has the Dundies. Now, Off the Ball presents the Snappies.
2: <laughs> yeah.
4: You've already touched on it, but fans of the podcast will know that uh, this means it's going to be terrible wordplay coupled with some strong opinions. So uh, number one is... Uh, and by the way, as it was mentioned there, because it's award season, it's going to be sort of an awards theme. So no, num- yeah,
0: I don't need to explain yourself. Keep going. Number
4: one. They get it. Number one, Lamar the Merrier. So this is going to be... Uh, Come on, you're at least about to groan. Yeah. <laughs> Lamar the Merrier, which um, is kind of our take on the MVP award. So was Lamar Jackson the most impactful player in the NFL this season?
1: Yes. I think that's an easy one, yeah.
0: What about Patrick Mahomes? Because what he's doing there is in the off season that doesn't
1: Well, late in the season, yeah. But but I mean the, the impact of Lamar Jackson is that it shows you, you can um, you can do something else in the NFL that no one else is doing and as a team and, and win and, you know, and have a really great run. Um, we've,
0: we've been talking a bit about this, the whole uh, zigging while everybody else sags. And this is what Bill Belichick has built his career on. It's like, everybody's going this direction, I'm going to do something different. Is that not exactly what we're witnessing at the moment with the run game at the Ravens and the run game at the 49ers. This is a throwing league. This is a passing league. All the passing records are going to be broken again and again and again. And the 49ers and the Ravens are going, screw you. We're just going to run the ball down your ropes. And
1: the one thing, the one problem with that is that we saw it in the playoffs as the pressure increases, the pressure to abandon what got you there increases as well. And I think both both the Ravens and to a lesser extent, the Titans left their game behind when they when they fell behind um you know it wasn't essential for lamar jackson to throw 59 passes 59 attempts kind of beats my argument doesn't it yeah
2: but it's funny how the nar like for me he was without question the mvp but the narrative then straight away when he loses the playoff game goes back to oh I don't know if you can win with that style and they nearly dismiss then what he's done for the year as a there's now a big question mark over well not a big question mark but there are people asking questions whether that whether that can be successful so I think that's obviously something that they'd be keen to
3: that's guys are waiting for three months for one bad game so yeah. they could jump on him and that's yeah. gonna, that's, that's just that, the way it is but it's out
2: there though like it's
3: yeah like the the thing about that game like he wasn't that bad he had a yeah. couple of bad plays he the difference between what he did in the playoffs and what Patrick Holmes did in the playoffs was he was trying to set roberts and chris moore and patrick Mahomes was trying to tyree kill and travis kelsey and all those kind of days like mark andrews was injured in that game he had 500 yards and we're saying that's a reason he can't play in the nfl yeah this doesn't make any sense like for me it's easy it's like for the season, Lamar, for the next decade, it's gonna be Lamar or Mahomes. And then, I, honestly, just to not be constantly talking about Lamar, I also thought George Kittle this year, incredible. Like, that, George Kittle this year was like what Gronk was last year and previous years carrying Brady, which is kind of what you can go back to with the Garoppolo talk, he's got someone there who can tip the balance in his favor a little bit.
4: And Nick I mentioned, like, the element of fortune, only for they drafted second in the draft. They never would have got him, and he's been a
0: transformative player for the 49ers, so he yeah, deserves a mention. I, I, they were definitely the worst team in football last year. The only uh, wins that Arizona, who ended up getting the first pick, had were the two wins that they had against the 49ers. That's how shit they were last year. So, um, you know, they deserved to be picking they early. They
1: used to always do that. I mean, the Bruce Arians years, they used to always beat Seattle. You know, they'd go mm. up to Seattle and win when they, when they were not very good.
0: You yeah. Know? Divisional, divisional rivalries really seem to matter for some reason.
1: <laughs> intangible <laughs> exactly
0: here you're, you're a Ravens fan so are there any Ravens fans in the room you should be Ravens fans because they're the most exciting team in the world for sure there's uh, a Sears uh, fan shaking his head
3: and looking at you right but
0: now. He's, he's like what Lamar is doing it's like what Leo Messi does it's, you should stay up and watch or you should get in a dodgy stream to watch the Ravens anytime you possibly can because this is somebody doing things to elite athletes making them look stupid he made the Niners defense look stupid at various stages in that game like honestly get on the Lamar bandwagon I'm saying it, yeah. it's
3: a bit like Usain volts the speed comparison because he's going against guys who are top tier one percenters at their position and he's gone like they've no like it's it's not even the fat guys on the defensive line it's cornerbacks and safeties can't get near him
1: it's just, we made a big deal about Mahomes's touchdown run and it is a big deal but Lamar does that kind of weekend. thing almost every week yeah. yeah
0: and we're starting to take it for granted so don't you must be unbelievably excited as a Ravens fan
1: yeah
4: and the rate of improvement we're going to talk about Joe Burrow later on but uh, Lamar Jackson's younger than Joe Burrow and the rate of development granted that metric doesn't continue year on year but if he continues at this form line he's going to be the greatest athlete that's ever lived yeah <laughs> and it's like it, like the stat, the stat line before the season was set at 15.5 for mm-hmm. touchdown passes he broke that in like 10 minutes I think so he, he got 33 on the season so I think it's going to even itself out, but eventually he's going to
0: be very effective.
4: The shot put's
1: going to kill him in the decathlon. Maybe. <laughs> they, um,
0: they kept talking about uh, Deshaun Watson being Michael Jordan, but you kind of think Lamar Miller, uh, uh, Lamar Jackson, not Lamar Miller, Lamar Jackson <laughs> has, uh, slip, has, a, has a chance at that
3: level of greatness. But I think the thing to really understand with him is his game is also, all the highlight reels are all there, all the speed is there. His game is based on being extremely precise within the pocket. His footwork in the pocket is phenomenal. And his accuracy is very good. It's not great. But he throws the ball with such timing and anticipation that it doesn't really matter. He doesn't need to be a perfect passer every yeah. single time. So that's the foundation of his future. His explosive plays will stay there, but the foundation of their success is going to be that
0: passing game.
1: If he's Michael Jordan, then that makes Mahomes, Steph Curry. Maybe, yeah.
0: yeah. And he is. We can tease that comparison out because what he's doing is making everybody think, ooh, geez, I haven't seen this before. I don't know what to do. What second...
4: Number two, uh, Bell of the ball. And I love Mike Vrabel, because his name lends itself to so many phenomenally bad puns. So uh, coach, coach of the year, Mike Vrabel, um, he's in the conversation, as is implied there. A few other obvious candidates. Uh, John Harbaugh has kind of reinvented it. He does things. And maybe how the league is going to do things going forward. Harbaugh on um, the Verge of getting sacked,
0: apparently. I don't yeah. know how real that was, but certainly the only Mike thought Toml- about it.
4: Mike Tomlin, who almost got to the playoffs with literally a duck at a, a quarterback. <laughs> and then the two lads in the Super Bowl itself. So just wondering, I think uh, probably Harbaugh's going to get the official one, but in terms of coaching jobs this year,
1: who did the best It's a job? tough one. Brian Flores. Yeah. yeah. Um, that team should not have won a game, no. in, in, basically, in, in, in the NFL. <laughs> and tried not to. Yeah. Yeah. Did try not to. <laughs> and strangely, strangely enough, Belichick, it was probably his best year as a defensive coordinator, if not as a coach. But that team shouldn't have won 12 games, yeah. even in that division. They were not a very you know, good, great were defense, horrific. but they were not a very good offensive yeah. team.
0: And if they hadn't been beaten by Ryan Fitzpatrick, they'd have had home field advantage. Exactly. It's like that that
1: Atlanta win over New Orleans.
3: uh, Uh, Kind of a a bit of a random one for me this year was uh, Sean McVay. And it's for a very specific and simple reason that whenever there was a problem on his team, he didn't always find a solution, but he kept looking. Like his offensive linemen changed constantly over the first 10 weeks of the season until he found a group that mattered. And I think like in any sport, like you, if you are on a team where you're doing the same thing over and over and over again, and it's not working, you're going to get frustrated at your coach because you need to change to try something different. And to me, that's a huge positive for them moving forward.
1: That's an interesting one, because you, you look at Mike Zimmer, for example, as a guy who does the same thing over and over and over again, and it does work, but it only works to a, mm-hmm. to a certain degree. You know, and, and the question is, how do you get the boost up to the next degree. Yeah. Um, Mike Tomlin got a lot of credit this year for keeping the Steelers And I don't think Pete Carroll got much credit for keeping the Seahawks. The Seahawks weren't that good a team either, but you know, he sort of kept them in contention in, in a kind of rah-rah Pete Carroll way. He did.
0: You know? The stuff that I listen to, though, seems to blame him for the fact that it's the final quarter before they unleash the quality that they have at quarterback in Russell Wilson. And I don't know. I, I don't know enough about the mechanics of how that relationship works or the game plan which seems to be fairly rudimentary still.
1: I mean, you would rather win a game, you would rather win a game... Within within your system, your formula, you know, where everybody's competing, you're not completely dependent on one guy. But yeah. they've been, they have been completely dependent on Russell Wilson, even when they had mm-hmm. Marshawn Lynch, at, you know, running well, um, or, or Chris Carson running, running yeah. well. You know, yeah. they they have been Russell Wilson's team.
0: In fairness, if we're talking about, it, look, that was the luckiest thing that ever happened. That uh, the Seahawks ended up getting a delay of game penalty that moved Mm. the ball back from the one to the six because Marshawn Lynch was all set up to do his second swan dive into the (laughs) um, end zone and and they would have lost that game. Marshawn
1: Lynch right now is probably in in good enough shape to run. (laughs) (laughs) They should should do that.
4: Just on intangibles we should mention Mike Vrabel because he's at the root of that atrocious pun like something I noticed earlier in the season when they weren't everybody's second team was that no matter what they did a positive he got, you like, could see the, the sideline were getting right behind it. So it just showed that he, he developed you, an ethic there long in, earlier in the you season. you remember
1: the London game where they tied it right at the end of the game? And he went for two was He went for two a, yeah. instead of, instead of kicking the extra point yeah. and every all the fans were going, oh crazy You can't do that no. I thought it was a fine decision partly because they want to get on the plane and get home but <laughs> but, um, but More so that what you're saying to your team is I think you can get two yards. I got faith in you You know, we've got down here. We can we can win the game. You get me two yards. We'll win the game They didn't do it. The play didn't work out, but I think that your team doesn't your team doesn't take that as a negative, as a downer. You know, you get on the plane and say, this was a game we could have won. We let him down. You know, coaches generally think, if I play by the book, no one's going to blame me. If I take the extra point, we lose in overtime. I was going to say, oh, tough loss, overtime. If I go for it and I don't get it, people say, oh, you should have you yeah. taken the plate for overtime. I think the players think he had faith in us. It's a, it's a positive going forward.
2: He yeah. comes across as a player's coach, and you can see him in some of the warm-ups. He's down there, like, and he's down with the offensive line guys, and he's going through technique, and that's not really to do technique. That's more to kind of show, build a connection with them. And you can see him doing that. And one of the things is the Titans, you talk about how, how teams are put together. I think they have like 28 free agents this year coming into the off season. So there's going to be a lot of change on that. On the, there's got to be free agents now looking at that team saying, well, he's wanna a coach go. I want to play for, which I think is a big positive for them going forward. When, when they got the fat
1: guy touchdown <laughs> to, yeah, yeah. To, uh, <laughs> to Dennis Kelly yeah, or, or something, I was thinking the next time they're down there, the coach is going to come in and report eligible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Derek Henry is obviously a free agent at the end of this year. Do you want to see him get the type of deal that the LA Rams gave to Todd Gurley?
2: <coughs> no, I I, my own personal opinion, like he's, he was absolutely incredible this year. But like he's coming into his fourth, fifth year in the league now. I think you're getting to the stage where running back kind of it's very, very unusual for running back to maintain those type of levels into that into that stage if of he, a career. Yeah. So uh, certainly, like if he comes back, and it's not in his interest to come back on a team friendly deal, why would he? He's here to make as much money as he can while he's there. But I think you see teams kind of handcuffing themselves a little bit, little bit, give big money to run him back. If you have got a
1: running back in the last year of his contract, and you st- you start feeding him the ball 30 times a year. It's yeah. kind of saying you're not worried about what happens yeah. to him after the season. You know.
2: <laughs> it worked
0: though. It, it was the, It definitely worked. Are you confident about what's going to happen? But next because this guy's a they good coach they have
1: pay tannehill as well that's, that's the thing. that's the problem yeah. yeah you can
0: franchise him for a year and see if he's actually as good next year yeah.
3: well, i think with derrick henry it's kind of complicated because like the way you've used them and the way you're going to use them means mossy's right the contract is not going to provide any value to you but the other part of it is you can't just dismiss all running backs like if christian McCaffrey, when his contract comes up you have to pay him mm. and christian McCaffrey is basically a wide receiver as well as a running back and so that means he doesn't come off the field ever, only if he's tired. So he's contributing in different ways, but he's also making the, ma- the matchups really, really difficult. So for me, like if Derrick Henry offered any bit of ability in his, as a receiver, I could entertain the idea of bringing him back. But he's not Todd Gurley. He's not Christian McCaffrey. He's basically Jerome Bettis, but in shape. So it's it's and he's a bit of a monster. Like he runs between the tackles. That's pretty much how that works. And like he's not going to be any he's not going to be any yeah. great player. I don't think every This is going to be his peak.
2: They they have he has been their identity this year on offense though. So again, you go back to Vrabel talking about trying to build a team and trying to see where they're going forward. If they don't re-sign him, they're under a lot of pressure to get someone. Yeah. It's not as easy to, uh, while well, like I dismiss not giving him the big money, it's still not as easy to just plug in what you'd consider another hard running between the tackles running back. Yeah, in the locker not, room wouldn't be happy
0: at some trade. No. For for Leonard Fournette. That'd be good for my uh, fantasy team. They'll save team. <laughs> money. Uh,
2: they'll save money cutting Dion
1: Lewis. That's, yeah. that's true. They, they
0: never used really, which was which was weird. It was all those get, Let's get all those Patriots, and then they don't actually end up playing as well. It's almost like there's something in the water. Speaking of Patriots, here.
4: Go on. What's next? Our first less favorable award. So the playoff team most likely to regress in going into next season, and. Uh, this is the What's off it What's it, it called? Brady Gaga. No. <laughs> this is the off-season they're getting, scandal. They're getting worse. I know. They're getting, They will get even worse <laughs> after this. But um, this is the off-season scandal. I don't think anyone wanted to say Brady. Will he won't he stay? Will he retire? I don't know. He's probably going to go to the Chargers but we'll see. But are the twelve and five Patriots the most likely team to regress going into next season? Keen.
3: Well, before the show, Mike told me he used to be six foot three and a half, and now he's six foot two. And I feel like that's the direction Brady's going as well, because of <laughs> age. Like, you look at him, he looks like a skeleton out there. There's no, like, he never had great athleticism, but now he looks like an old man trying to play football. The Patriots, is it sacrilege to say they might be better with a different quarterback next year? It's not now. It's, it's, everybody thinks that, right? Yeah. We're getting to that stage now where... Depends
1: on who the quarterback is. Mm. That's the problem.
3: I, I think the Patriots will be fine because Belichick is still there. I think Brady is going to be... Like, the talk is that Philip Rivers has moved to Miami, so the Chargers are going to pay Brady, and they want him because they need a star to sell in L.A., which and makes sense from a marketing perspective, but from a football perspective, you're getting probably a worse version of Philip Rivers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the... Um, marketing would make some sense. Um, which is
3: what the Chargers really need.
1: Yeah, but I, I can't see him playing anywhere else but New England, to be honest, because that's the only place where they might think that he still brings value to to the offense. But you, you
0: you know Belichick, you've studied his career, you've met him, you were the same college as him. Um, he doesn't want him anymore, right?
1: That you know, if if you believe Seth Wickersham's article, which there are reasons not to believe everything that's in it. Yeah, I mean Belichick would wanted to stick with Jimmy Garoppolo and, and Brady, and um, well, Kraft over overruled him. Uh, I'm not sure that that's quite the way it, the way that it worked, but. I'm also not sure that he's actually gonna hold them up for massive money, or that he needs to go somewhere else for massive money, because he doesn't need the money. Yeah. Um, the question is, will he be in a situation, the only, the only guy I thought might go after him would be John Elway, Thinking that you know Peyton Manning was basically creaking, creaking like a skeleton, and he got one good year out of Manning and one bad year, and the bad year they won the Super Bowl. So, um, so he might think, God I'm a genius. Uh, Joe Flacco can win me a Super Bowl. Um, Turns but, out he can't. Yeah, but, but I think Drew they, they're they're going to go with Drew Locke. and and you know Pat Shermer they've just hired as offensive coordinator. Pat Shermer's just spent three years trying to figure out what to do with Eli Manning. He's not going to start all over again. No, with that Tom would be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, Belichick needs he needs to get him. Better weapons um, and a better line, and that's basically the, the problem. When you think of what they lost in the, in the offseason and during the season, yeah. all, all their explosive players were gone. Edelman's not an explosive player. No, anymore.
0: Antonio Brown, like if he yeah, wasn't completely so batches, <laughs> yeah. would have been amazing for them.
1: Josh <laughs> Gordon, Antonio Brown Gronk, yeah, I think Josh- Trent Brown at tackle. Um, the sen- And Andrews, the center, uh, Devlin, the fullback. They couldn't run the ball. They, all of their best run blockers were They gone. gave
0: the tight end to the Seahawks, who ended up being really good, which was a bit dumb. I,
1: yeah, I, I like Hollister, yeah. but um, he caught more passes than all the Patriots' tight ends put together. That very <laughs> rarely you, happens. You see his limitations. Yeah,
0: you normally see players going from the Patriots and then crapping out. Next for us. Come on, let's rattle through these, because we got to get to the Chiefs. Yeah, so Hell's Kitchens. This is another less favorable <laughs> award. Um <laughs>
1: That's a better one.
4: Listen, stepping away from the playoffs now, we're going to get into, um, in terms of teams that need an overall rebuild, and obviously it didn't go too well for Freddie, a new man in place now. But are the Browns the worst gig in the 32, or...? who needs the biggest rebuilds in 2020. Mm-hmm.
2: The Bengals give them a good... Yeah. Bengals, I Agreed. would say, from an ownership point of view on how to run as an organization, I'd say um, put the Browns... There's in. a pretty
1: good talent base on the Browns. Yeah. You know, yeah. If, if you can if you can work it uh, correctly. Yeah. John's, a <laughs> John's a Brown fan here. He's, not, he's nodding, you know. And, and if you can get better out of Baker Mayfield than, than what they've got out of him so far, which is...
2: Yeah, it seemed like the whole roster bought into winning the off season last year and we've all these free agents and we're going to this and baker had a good rookie season but when it actually came to putting in the putting in the game plans and putting in the work it seemed like there was obviously Big difference between how they talked and how they performed on the field. And then when things didn't go well early, it seemed like Freddie Kitchens you know, didn't, also, didn't have a handle on the locker room yeah. and didn't have a handle on yeah. how to control the message and everything that went with it. You know, the fun times. game
1: to watch was when they beat Baltimore and Nick Chubb had 188 yards mm. rushing. Nick
2: Chubb is great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that,
1: yeah. that game, that game Nick Chubb that is, today. you yeah. know, yeah. Derek Henry. Yeah. Yeah. Derrick it does go to show
3: you, though. We talked like there's many ways to win in the NFL. There's also many ways to lose. The Browns <laughs> keep firing all these coaches and paying them huge money. The Bengals won't pay any and they both they both suck. The Bengals, we're going to talk they
1: about... They have the advantage of having to play each other twice a Yeah, year. that's
4: it. Two more <laughs> minutes. So, next one. back to the future. So, uh, <laughs> we're, we're going into... Look at the picture. We're yeah. going into free agency now, so he's obviously on the block himself. Uh, unless Jerry Jones gets his wallet out, he might be going elsewhere. Probably will stay. But is he the hottest free agent or who else? Who's the... Pre- I think that is, that is the
3: best free agent, but he's obviously not going to hit free agency. The one that kind of interests me is AJ Green because like we just talked about the Bengals; they won't want to pay him. They might franchise tag him. The fact that he didn't play this year is a huge detail, and he is—he gets forgotten about because he doesn't talk and he plays for the Bengals. And Andy Dalton can't hit a Baron door with a baseball bat. But <laughs> the problem with him is he's been injured. The outside of that, he's outstanding. He's Julio Jones level of receiver, but he just doesn't get the same attention.
1: Yeah, Chris Jones to me is the guy I'd really like, I mean, depending on your need, but, but he really jumps out at me as being a, a free agent worth, worth getting. Um, but you know, the, the the big guys, the big guys rarely make the impact that you're paying them for, um, kind of as a general, as a general rule. And the top guys in in this, in this draft is key and just said, you're going to get franchised. Um, they're not going to hit, they're not going to hit the market for a year last one here
4: yeah and speaking of the draft so in terms of prospects joe heisman we're going to hear hear a lot about this guy he um ohio joe burrow who looks like he's going home to uh, ohio um, but is he the number one prospect going into football or even allowing for the players already in the league you got kyler murray obviously as well but who's the number one prospect around at the moment?
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> be the, well, it depends on position. Yeah. Like obviously, like if Chase Young's probably going to go number two. And in terms yeah. of making an impact when he comes into the league, he's probably going to come in a little bit like Nick Bosa last exactly. year. And like, he's the guy. But like, if I was Joe Burrow and the Bengals draft me, I'm considering pulling an Eli Manning. And really? I know he won't. He's from he, he's, from, he's Ohio, from Ohio, isn't yeah. he? And yeah. he's he, like, he, he's going to go in, he's going to get paid. But the way their organization is run, and you see what they've done, up, they've done with other talent that's gone in there. I definitely ask my agent to have a look around and see if there's anything he could work out there. I, but uh,
3: I do think character-wise, like his Heisman speech was a lot about where he grew up and where he's from. It's yeah. a really, really bad area. Mm-hmm. I do think he's probably someone who would like the idea of going back to Ohio and helping his area. Yeah. And he'll, he'll have the, like, obviously the rookie deals are suppressed, but he'll have that ability eventually. It's
1: interesting because the other two quarterbacks will go probably at the top. Herbert from Oregon and Tua from, from Alabama. Right now, I would say um, her, that that two is gonna would go to Miami, yeah. and um, Herbert. and Herbert would go to San Diego if they don't sign a free agent. Maybe they maybe they yeah, do a manager. fits with Tyrod Taylor, say for the year, yeah. you know, and 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 bring him along. But yeah. that'd make a lot of sense. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. A reminder that. Um, all of our uh, American football coverage on off the ball is brought to you in association with the Erlingus College Football Classic. But I do want to tell you about this, our brand new off the ball American football hub, where you're going to get the very latest news and all things gridiron, including the snap, the podcast, the latest news and reports from the Irish American Football League. Head over to off the ball forward slash gridiron. You can subscribe there and we'll ping your email uh, with ever with any updates. and We'll also let you know whenever those tickets are going on sale as well. So let's go back and talk about the right Chiefs, right? 12 minutes how may I have i did that well <laughs> didn't i <laughs> if anybody has any questions just stick your hand up we might um take them down now instead of talking look i think the chiefs are going to win this game because i think they're the best team in football their offense is irresistible it is the stereotypical irresistible force meets a movable object but in this case the irresistible force knows the how knows how to walk around you and how to jump over you like mahomes is a different level at the moment mike
1: yeah, and I, I was thinking um, yesterday, now, if, if, if I were the 49ers, how do I, how do I stop the Chiefs? And, and, and part of it is pass rush, obviously. That, that works against any team if you can keep the quarterback in the pocket, which is the key thing. And part of it is your linebackers can do a pretty good job on Kittle, um, on receivers coming across, which is, which, um, which is a big part of Kansas City's game as well. But they don't have anybody who really matches up deep with Hill or, or Hard, Hardman. And so I'm thinking, now, what do I do? Y- you know, you've got the problem. If you double, if you double, then you, you, have, to single, you have to single cover um, um, Kelsey. Who's going to single cover Kelsey? And the name that kept popping into my head was Richard Sher- Sherman. Right. And you know, here's Sherman, who always plays left corner. Left corner. You think of what Jalen Ramsey did a couple of years ago that's, against Gronkowski. That's
3: also in part he won't be able to cover anyone else. Yeah. Those smaller receivers are a major challenge for him.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it made
2: it would make sense to me but to change the habit of lifetime. They won't move him, yeah. though as in you move him inside to, take, to pick up Kelsey just follow him yeah. if they line Kelsey up They did that last
3: week but I, I, I tend to
0: agree with you I don't think they'll move him later yeah. they yeah. moved him at the start last week and then not they moved him for the they first three plays just to kind of like oh look what we're doing and then they didn't yeah. do it again well, the one detail has to be remembered to. the one detail
3: has to be remembered in that conversation that always gets overlooked is if you move one cornerback you have to move the other guy too and the other guy might not necessarily be comfortable doing that. Because back in the day when the Seahawks had Byron Maxwell there and uh, Brandon Browner there, mm. those guys did not want to move away from the right sideline. So part of the reason Sherman didn't move was because he, uh, he had to accommodate the other guy. And as we already talked about previously, the 49ers have a problem spot at the right cornerback position.
1: Kendall Fuller is a... Is a- Penalty waiting to happen. He's, he's like Steve Nelson that they had the, the year before. Mm. And they've got Sam Madison coaching. And Sam Madison, when he played for Miami, was the biggest holding cornerback <laughs> in the league. Um, but you, you were spotlighting a play, showing, you were showing Brady's collapse, basically, and showing how he couldn't put the ball accurately. But one of the passes you had was, was the one against Kansas City to um, Edelman in the corner. Um, in the end zone, the, the kind of go in, go out that they always run. I don't remember this at all. Yeah, but you were saying he, he, you know, Brady overthrow, he puts it to head, he can't make the catch. Of course, oh, the one where he completely overlooked the open receiver the, the, in the middle? Yeah, yeah, he misses the guy open in the middle. But the reason he couldn't make the catch was that Kendall Fuller was riding him on the back mm-hmm. and banging his helmet yeah, with, his, with his arm, and it worked. <laughs> he was also the guy who tackled Dorsett you know, two series before when Dorsett was open on the six-yard line or whatever. He,
3: yeah, also, I love that play just because Dan Orlovsky
0: praised him for not throwing the wide open touchdown. <laughs> Like we just can't criticize him, really. No, it's true. He's um, he's yeah. one of those sacred cows. But uh, if I'm making the case, Mossy, for the 49ers to beat this team, the only thing I can think of is the game that the 49ers <sighs> played against Drew Brees in the Superdome, where it was back and forth, back and forth, and it just so happened that they had the ball last and they had enough time to win at the end. That's the only case that I can make, that it's a 47-41 win with a last-second touchdown.
2: Yeah, well, I think Kansas City are going to score at least 35. Like, they're going to be up in the mid-30s anyway. They're going to score a lot. And I think for the 49ers, I think that night against the Saints like they had everything going from special teams, defense, like they had and yeah, the trick play with yeah, the the, <laughs> the, the, everything they needed seemed to come off that day. And I think that's why it's probably and in fairness, Shanahan is creative enough to to be able to look at different options and and try and create mismatches. And um, but they are going to have to try and keep pace with them. And that's why I do think they are going to have to get Garoppolo into it early because they they can't keep pace, just running the ball and running the ball. Yeah, if
1: the Chiefs come out like they did in the last two weeks where they drop passes in the first quarter, and, you mm-hmm. know, and kind of take it easy, they, they could be in a problem. The other thing I like about the 49ers defensively against them is that their front, they don't have any big, they don't have any slow guys up front, really. You know, Armstead, who's also a free agent, I mean, and he's a guy I'd be, I'd be looking at. You know, they're athletic, they're relatively athletic big men. And, you know, they'll move Bosa inside sometimes and, yeah. and, and play. And, so, and that, that could be the answer to trying to stop them right right from the start, you know. So
0: D. Ford obviously played for the Kansas City Chiefs last year and famously um, came stepped offside in a play that <laughs> ends up giving the Patriots the win. So essentially the whole Kansas despised him for blowing their chances at winning the Super Bowl last year. He, uh, he got traded to the Niners, comes to San Francisco and has a great season, but very injury interrupted, tends to only play on third down when it's an obvious passing down. And so they've been kind of babying his hamstring through the whole season. In a game like this, where Patrick Mahomes doesn't have any obvious, like first down seems to be an obvious passing down, does he play much more? Does he have to play the whole game?
1: No, they can't. Uh, same with Suggs. You know, in, uh, you've know, you got guys who are basically going to play probably in obvious passing downs. And therefore, what you're looking at is, is throwing on the downs... When you're when they're in base, basically, um, although base for the 49ers tends to be nickel anyway with two, yeah. li- two linebackers I actually
3: I, I i disagree with that because i think any carry that damian williams has in this game is a positive for you like at this point patrick Mahomes is gone to another level where you just can't you can just all you can do is hope that they sabotage themselves and like i bet against patrick Mahomes in college i was very wrong on that and and, <laughs> and i'm not going to bet against him anymore at this point because the guy is like like we're talking about messi earlier compared to lamar and every single thing you ask this guy to do he does and it's He's dug them out of two holes already. The 49ers will score, but if they keep the, the Chiefs' offense below 40, that's a, that, that's a, that's a success. Like, you're,
0: you're in the game at that point. You've, yeah. you've, your defense has done what they're supposed to do. Um, He's
1: turning the NFL into the Big Eight. Mm.
0: What? What's Andy Reid like? Well, like at <laughs> What's this Andy Reid like? Yeah.
1: He likes Mrs. Reid. <laughs> 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 nice. He likes hamburgers and barbecue. So. <laughs> it turns out. Cheeseburgers.
0: Um, uh, <laughs> oh what is his character great, like? Andy
1: Reid. Andy Reid is a great coach with 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 questionable game management skills oh, through his career, but he's a great team builder. Um, he's he's good at game planning. You you could see it. I mean, the most impressive thing that he did to me this year was drafting McCall Hardman, and it was partly it was partly because they thought Tyreek Hill wouldn't be playing for the first part of the year. But he also had a history of drafting to strength when he was in Philadelphia. At one point, he was drafting cornerbacks when they had a really good pair of cornerbacks. And, and it, it works out. In the NFL, if you have the luxury of being able to do that and the foresight, it works out really well for you. Because right now, Hill and Hardman is a tremendous <clears throat> double act to try to cover. Uh, and if they do lose Hill at some point, then in Hardman, they've got a, a guy who can come along as a replacement.
3: Mike, I, w- I would ask you, though, because you saw the length of Donovan McNabb's career. I didn't. I came into it. Probably midway through, probably in later stages of it. But when uh, when Andy Reid had Alex Smith, I always felt he was unfairly criticised for the clock management stuff because Alex Smith was just so limited. Was that the case with McNabb? Because now he's in the opposite stage where he's got to go can do anything.
1: Terrible, and especially in the last three minutes of a game, four minutes of a game, you know, wasting timeouts. So are we Um, putting that on Andy Reid? We shouldn't have. It was an epidemic, not an endemic. Endemic for him. Yeah, it was it was a serious problem. He he hired um, what's his name um, Castillo from the Barcelona Dragons, Dick Curl, the offensive coordinator of the Barcelona Dragons, to to be a clock guy, you know, to sort of be there and, and tell him what you know. And he didn't the Jets did it too. He didn't do it, but um, he was much better this. Well, um, two weeks ago, I, I thought, you know, and, and this season. So maybe, maybe he's mellowed on, on that front or maybe he leaves it to Patrick Mahomes to kind of, to kind of, um, to kind of control that. And, and having, that big, having that big play thing is something that even his Eagles teams didn't have. When you think about it, how many great receivers did he have in that? He had that one good year from Terrell Owens which ended up with the broken mm-hmm. ankle and going Macklin, into that was the supervised He had Deshaun Jackson and got the big yeah. plays out of him. And beyond that, it was a lot of, um, what's, you know... Um, Jeremy Macklin. Riley Ter- Cooper. Jeremy Macklin, Riley Cooper. Before that, Freddie Solomon. Um, what's his name? The skinny guy who couldn't, Catch the ball over the middle. Like Carlton. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Um, I was not that skinny. But, <laughs> um, what, um, but you know, and, and the drop, you know, the, the third and 22 catch that, that changed the NFL rules and stuff. He made do with, with that kind of stuff. And, and um, I think he's, he's a great coach. You know, the, the record sort of speaks for itself. It feels
0: a bit like this might be his time, that he's served. That's like, what
1: everybody's liking to think, I think, yeah. You know. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan's got plenty of time ahead of it yeah you
0: know. yeah um look i just want to say a big thank you to the wool shed of course this is the spiritual home of um uh football watching really i think we've all had good late nights here and uh early mornings by the time you end up getting kicked out so thanks very much to them for hosting us tonight we've got a couple of minutes left i'm going to get predictions i mean obviously my uh, heart says the 49ers but I, look i think that if the 49ers win this it's it is a it's a much bigger upset than the odds would show us at the moment because what we have is this rolling chiefs Team that are uh, they just appear unstoppable at the moment?
1: Is it a point and a half to Saint? To uh, two,
0: two, two and a half now? Pick like now. And and half? So. Okay, we've got the big difference between two and a half and pick. When did you get to hear the pick them today?
1: Today, yeah. all right. It's one, one, and, a and, a one and a half. One half now. Right. Just ask the experts. <laughs> um, I would. Yeah. Say I've got till Tuesday to make a, <laughs> a <proper series>. <laughs> 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 Actually, till Friday when I do my column uh, next Friday. Yeah, that's a tough one to pick. I'm going to cogitate on it for a minute. Okay, right,
0: Kian.
3: Uh, I'm going Mahomes. I I think that Chiefs offense is going to to score over 50, and I think the 49ers could score over 40. And I think, hopefully, considering what we had last year, this could be a great game. That would be better than last year. (laughs) Well, I I think it's similar to the, like, and they're similar in terms of style, the Rams-Chiefs game from a couple of years ago, where it was just score after score after score. But in that game, Mahomes had two key mistakes. One was a fumble, one was an interception, or it was two fumbles. And I don't think he has, has them anymore. He's just getting better and better all the time.
2: Uh, Chiefs are going to win 44-31.
0: Right, so quite not close in the end, really. It's not yeah. a blowout, but it's like uh,
2: yeah.
0: fairly straightforward. I think Chiefs by 10 as well. Ooh. Ooh, Just that?
4: because I think it's going to be a systems game, but when the systems break down, Patrick Holmes is the system, and I think yeah. he's going to deliver in a way that... Unless Gropel Nick will Bosa get him. gets him, smash well. him to the ground.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That'll on, too. For an
0: injury. Not an yeah. injury, not an injury. No, smash him. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Nick Halling once advised me that when you're in those situations with the big games and they ask you to pick them, you always just pick the underdog when it's a big underdog because when the favorite wins, nobody remembers. remembers. it. But if the underdog wins, you do. Great, but, great piece but, of I advice. But I mean, when it's a close game like this, this is a pick'em game to me. Um, I'm leaning toward the 49ers at the moment. Um... Man, Mike. Check. Yeah. <laughs> Play the check, crowd. check out check out the Bedfair column uh, <laughs> and see if i've changed now the other thing they're calling told me was that, and he, he didn't tell me but he used to do it he used to pick one way like oh, on tv yeah. Yeah. and then another way in, in the press That's genius. and then he, he could always say i got it right yeah i'm yeah. always
0: right You're right right <laughs> who does everybody else think is going to win uh, show of hands for the 49ers chiefs Ah, yeah, it's like mad, mad. Don't care. For the Chief. <laughs> right. <laughs> Did you have a good time? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks very much for being a very uh, important part of our first ever live broadcast uh, for American football. We're going to do this much more often, so stay tuned. As I said, subscribe to us uh, on offtheball.com forward slash gridiron. And again, my thanks to the Erlingus College Football Classic who make all this possible by uh, getting involved with us on Off the Ball and we're absolutely delighted because that fixture is going to be sensational next year. The the, uh, stadium is lit but the city is always lit as well when we get the American tourists coming in. So make sure you get on and try and get tickets for Navy against Notre Dame at the Aviva on the 29th of August. Collegefootballireland.com to sign up for the latest updates. My thanks to our production team, to Paul, Enda, Sifra and Shane. Thanks to Brianna from uh, the Erlingas College Football Classic and thanks to Woolshed as well for being such great hosts tonight as well. We'll see you next week. Best of luck. Bye. Go
1: Niners. <laughs>